happy Tuesday, everyone. Hey, sweet mates, it's me, Marsha Guerriere, founder of Her Sweet Spot. And I'm excited to come back to you this month with another amazing guest for the Her Rise Salon Talk. I have an amazing guest, as you can see, the beautiful Miss Lika Pierre. She is an associate general counsel at Instagram. Currently, Zalika is the interim head of Instagram legal team. Prior to Instagram, she was a litigator at Holland and Knight LLP and at the Reed Smith LLP. And she is a graduate of NYU Law School. New York is in the house. Welcome, welcome. Hi. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Happy almost Friday. Gosh, Happy I have to look at the calendar Friday. just to Happy see what Friday day it was. Eve is what they say, right? <laughs> Happy now, Friday Eve. Now, did I say it correctly, Zalika? Zalika, yes. Zalika, so, Zalika, we just spent 15 minutes together in the backstage before we went live. And I just recall, I was like, wait a minute, I forgot to make sure yes. I get the name correct. You did get that and, correct. However, I will correct you on the law school. It's New York Law School, different from NYU. Did so I say New York University? So it mm -hmm. is New York Law School here in yes. my notes. So I apologize for that. But okay. thank you for joining me today. I'm so really excited to get into this conversation with you and to talk more about your journey as an attorney working for a big company like Instagram that and or is it do we now call it Meta? Yes. Instagram right? is owned by Meta. Instagram is owned by Meta, but first we want to truly get to know you. So let's really get to know you. And can you share a little bit, you know, we, we talked about your legal career and where you are now, but can you share with us a little bit more about your early career and, you know, when exactly did you decide you wanted to be an attorney? Sure. So I don't have the traditional path to law. Um, it wasn't a childhood dream of mine. It wasn't anything as a child that I said, mom, dad, I want to be an attorney when I grow up, like many of my attorney friends. In fact, yeah. I always wanted to be a veterinarian when I grew up. And I had been saying that since I was four years old. And I continued on that path for the next 20 years. Um, I interned at every veterinary hospital in my town. I went to University of Maryland for their pre-veterinary program. Animal really? science was my major. Um, I loved the sciences and that was my path. In my last year, I realized that was not my path because we had to deal with, we had a farm on campus. That was one of the main reasons I went there. And we did farm work and we did pre-operations on some of the animals and we helped them when they were sick and I realized I do not like blood. I do not like needles. As much as I love animals, when it comes to helping them, I want to help. But if there's blood involved, I can't help. Physically, I just cannot do it. So in you my last year. Four years. In my last year, I called my parents and I was like, there is a problem because this is not the path for me. And next year I will not be in vet school. <laughs> now, what did your parents think after investing so much time? Oh, yes, they were supportive, thankfully. I love my parents. Mm -hmm. um, but they were like, okay, well, let's talk about this because we need a plan, right? Okay. Like, you're graduating. We need a plan. Um, so what are the resources on campus? Who can you talk to to try and think about what's next for you? 
what else do you like? And I was like, I just love animals. What else is yeah. there? Yeah. Um, so I went to career services and, you know, we talked about different internships that were available because this was very last minute. And because I was in Maryland, DC was right down the street. Capitol Hill was right down the street. So they suggested getting an internship at one of the lobbying firms or with one of the um, congressmen or senators. So I went to a lobbying firm and I met wow. plenty of great attorneys. And without even knowing that I would be interested, just speaking to them, I was like, this is an interesting, interesting profession. I didn't have any lawyers in my family. So the more I got to know them and the work that they were doing, it became clearer, right? The, the smoke started to clear and the path started to present itself that maybe a legal career is one that I should pursue, not only pursue, but just think more seriously about. Um, and the lawyers I, were, I was working with at the time said, even if you just go to law school, you don't have to practice law. You can go into academia, you can go into business, or you can be a lawyer. Whatever you want, it just, it opens so many doors getting a legal degree, a law degree. And that's what I did. Like without yeah. even knowing that was exactly what I wanted to do, I was just saying to myself, this will at least set me up for some form of success. I don't know what right. it will be yet, but let me do this, go down this path. And that's kind of how I ended up at law school. I know your parents were super thankful for that internship. <laughs> yes. yes, they were like, yes, thank goodness she has a path now. Oh my and, goodness. And, and not just a, just a normal path, but a really great path because I think most parents like to think that maybe she'll be a doctor or maybe she'll be a lawyer. And mm -hmm. so you, you went exactly in the right setting to get introduced to the industry, which is pretty great. And I kind of started in that same way for the financial services industry from high school, got introduced into programs that allowed me to work inside a financial firm. So it's a great way to be introduced to different um, industries. Mm -hmm. So as a female working in the legal industry, and let's take it back to even that time as an intern, as a young intern, and I'm not going to say it was many years ago because you look like you just graduated. Thank okay. you. You're welcome. <laughs> it was many years ago, but thank you. <laughs> so back then, what was it like to be a female in the presence of these people that felt almost untouchable, probably working in Washington, right? How did it feel? Were you welcomed as an intern? Were you really, you know, uh, um, coached into going down this route? So interestingly enough, most of the attorneys that I worked with at that lobbying firm were women. And that was great to see. Um, they had a very different, probably what some would consider a different POV at the time of what it meant to be in this profession, especially mm -hmm. for them and their careers, because mm -hmm. they have families. Right. right. And that's something that I don't, you know, men have families too, obviously, but it impacts our lives very differently. Right. They took time off from some of them had children when they were in law school. Some of them had children in the middle of their career, the beginning of their career. So they talked about that with me as well. Like the legal industry and this profession can be very taxing, like many professions. So mm -hmm. you have to factor that into your family plans. Um, but they let me, they were very confident that is doable because they were doing it. So that was important to me. The fact that they said, you know, pick your path and understand that it can change at any time. 
whether mm-hmm. it's because of family or just because of your interests, like always be ready to pivot. Mm-hmm. And so having plenty of females then telling me about the legal profession and along the way up until my journey now, and still now I have plenty of female friends that are attorneys, different aspects of the law, different parts of their careers. Some are in business, some are practicing lawyers at firms, some are at corporations, some are judges. And just to see like how diverse this profession is, I think for me as a young woman, I was excited to see that it was doable, right? And as time goes on, you also see like, not only is it doable being a woman, it's doable being a black woman. And I continue to surround myself with women, black women, people that look like me, people that don't look like me to support me and lift me up throughout this whole journey. You know, they say representation matters and it is almost, I don't know why it feels almost shocking to me that you had that representation in Washington where in the political aspect of Washington, we're now seeing women really emerge right and rise and so to hear that that's very comforting and if you are aspiring to enter the legal industry there is representation out there for you right oh yes oh yes now in this uh, journey of yours going through now now you had to kind of go through um law school and then pass the bar what are some of the challenges you faced navigating from this the onset of you getting the internship, actually passing the bar and then seeking uh, long-term full-time employment? Oh, I could spend days talking about all the challenges on that journey because it was a journey. Um, I took a year off after college to kind of gather my thoughts, study for the bar, not the bar, sorry, study for the LSAT, which is the entry Mm -hmm. exam to law school. And really just kind of taking a break from being a student so I was a paralegal at a, at a corporation um, for a year while I studied for the LSAT. And that kind of just allowed me to get some work experience, right? Because when we're in college, I had jobs during college, but there were college jobs, right? Things you do in right. the summer, um, some work study things during college, but never like a full-time wake up every day, nine to five. Um, so I took a year to do that, get that work experience. And then once I got into law school, I remember my parents sitting me down and saying, you have to take this seriously. This is not, this isn't about having fun. Like you need to take this seriously. One, because it's a lot of money. And two, because this is really going (laughs) that, right. That, um, and this is really going to mold your future. So I would say to anyone, I know this is a question we're going to probably talk about later, but take it seriously from day Mm -hmm. one. Yeah. Because it's time, time is one of the most valuable things that we have. It's a valuable currency and we can't get it back. So That's no right. one wants to restart law school. If you mess up the first time, you can't just go back and get a redo, right? Yeah. So I remember my parents really making sure that I was ready for this next step and hammering it into my brain that this was important <laughs> to get it right the first time. Yeah. Um, and that's what I did. I was very, very studious, more so than I ever was in college. I mean, college was, you're finding yourself, you're having fun, um, you do well, but it's it's not the same kind of pressure as law school. Right. Law school, you're competing with people that got through college and are smart. You know that everyone around you is smart yeah. and everyone's gunning for the select 
jobs, like the, the prestigious jobs, there's only a few of them. You can only get to them when you're at the top of your class right? Um, or if you're at a top law school. So it's constant pressure to be striving to be the best. And I remember I was just no games. Like people would make fun of me spending all my time in the library. I can tell you that it paid off, but I was... Very Let's scared. talk about who those people are and what they're doing today. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I have friends that still talk about it. And, you know, we've all gone our separate ways, some in law, some in other uh, industries. And we all think back to those days. And there's those same people that criticized or just made fun of, not even criticized, the folks that were in school and constantly studying, the ones that, you know, we were saying no to parties and we were saying no to all the fun stuff. And now we're thriving. Right. Those folks that were saying whatever they were saying, they're just, you know, existing. Yeah. So <laughs> all I can say is it pays off, right? It's it not the type of thing that you do it and then you feel bad that you wasted the time. Like it pays off to get it right the first time, to yeah. study hard. I was on law review. I was in the top 15% of my graduating class. And I got the prestigious jobs that I was striving for. Mm -hmm. Right. I can never look back and say I wasted any time right. because I got to where I wanted to go. Now, your parents seemed like they were not only champions, but they truly supported you, probably mentored you and, and pushed you along the way. Did you have any other mentors that really pushed you and or sponsors that saw how hard you were working? Because we know now that sponsorship in any career is crucial mm -hmm. to your advancement in, in the workforce. Did you have a sponsor that helped you break any of the barriers that, you know, come with being a black female entering, trying to go up to those prestigious firms? I've had plenty. Um, I think it is important to have as many as possible if you can. Mm -hmm mentors and sponsors that look like you and mentors and sponsors that look nothing like you. And the reason that's important is because I find, especially in our younger years, we're, we're, we gravitate, or just as human beings, we gravitate to people that look like us, yeah. right? If and we find if, them. If we find them, right? right. And so I think that's very limiting. It's human nature, but it's very limiting because if you only roll in circles of people that look like you, one, you don't have diversity of thought, but also you're really limiting yourself to plenty other doors that can be opened by other people. Right. So straight from, I remember I met my first legal mentor the summer before law school. And I decided I had researched like law student associations and black law student associations and mentoring programs. And she was putting on this program for law students. And even though I wasn't a law student yet, I knew I was going to law school soon. Yeah. So I attended and I remember meeting her, Paula Edgar. And I said to her, she was, uh, at the time she was president of PALS, which is an organization here in the city. And I remember meeting her and saying, look, I'm not in law school yet, but I'll be there next semester. And I'm just like interested in seeing what law students and legal professionals do and talk about. And at that moment, like we really hit it off. At that moment, I realized that she was about to be in my life for a very long time because our energies were the same. We had a synergy that was just unmatched. And she knew the legal profession in New York City and beyond, right? Yeah. She was just one of those people that is in the know. 
And she has been very, she's been a great mentor to me because she not only opened my eyes to different legal opportunities, but she helped mold me just as a person. I remember things that you don't even think about matter, right? Like in law school, they used to tell us, just show up, be your authentic self. Yes, that's something that you should do now in your career, be your authentic self. But in our younger years, when When you're starting out, yeah. When you're starting out, don't don't be your true, true self at that moment. <laughs> you're going to have to do a little bit of, I don't know, know your audience. Let's say it show, that way, right? Show up and be the person that you expect your audience to want to know. To love. Right, yeah. Right. right. Where it's yeah. almost like if it has to be for me, it was an alter ego. I had an alter ego when I was in law school, and that was the woman that showed up for interviews. She was the woman that was very, very like, direct. I was always like, I don't know. I don't even know what the right word is, but she was different from my fun weekend self. Okay. Well, I think it's cool. <laughs> I think we, we refer to some of it, at least in language code switching and what many women do in corporate America and, and yeah. those environments where we're sometimes the only one where we have to be a certain way in order to get along and advance in our workplace. And then you know, when we're with the homies and when we're at home with the family, right. especially if you are, um, you know, well, I would say, cause growing up Haitian culture is everything. And so, yeah, that there is a difference in how you show up in the workplace and in professional settings. Absolutely. And I remember Paula and other mentors that I had at the time, they'd be the ones that would tell you that outfit is not the one like that is that, you know, whether your your suit was too baggy or was too tight or your skirt was too short, yeah. whatever it needed to be needed to be said, they said it. And those are the important mentors that mold you when you're young in your career, because it does matter. It does matter whether you have, you know, if your hair is looking a mess or if you have it in Especially a slip back in bun. Your profession. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Because if you're client facing, if you're in a client facing industry, Everyone wants to have someone on their team that looks the part. And by looks the part, I don't mean anything other than you look pulled together and that you are good at your job, That's right? It. And so you right. always wanted to show up as that person. And I, there were plenty of times that I felt scared, intimidated. Every, insert any, any word that will describe someone that is not confident in that moment. But on right. the outside, I was the most confident woman in the room. And so that is something that I think it's a, it's definitely a muscle that you have to, you have to strengthen over time. And it is definitely a skill. Yeah. I shared that same skill, but I could, I I could imagine that they saw something in you that they probably didn't see in many young kids. You you weren't even in law school yet and you wanted to have a seat at the table. And that's one of the things that, you know, when, when, when we talk about what it takes to enter the field and what it takes to enter any field, especially when you, have a passion even before you you get to that point mm-hmm. in college and graduate school and all that. What would you tell a young attorney now, a recent grad, about entering the law profession other than show up? <laughs> yeah. Um, look, I'm not, I won't beat around the bush. It's tough out there. Yeah. Um, it's tough to get the job that you're gunning for as, as much as we see like all of the statistics about plenty of jobs being out there, the ones that we want, the coveted jobs, they are not easy to get. If they were, everybody would have them. Um, So to a young grad, hmm, 
I mean, I would, I would say, don't be afraid to fail, right? Don't think that you're not good enough to apply for a job. I've had plenty of, you know, folks that have come to me for advice and they say, oh, I saw this position and I'm not really, I don't think I'm qualified, but um, should I, I just didn't apply because I just thought, didn't think I was qualified. Mm-hmm. Think you're qualified, right? Yeah. Like don't go applying to be CEO when you're fresh out of college, although people do, but right. don't underestimate yourself and the skills and the intelligence that you bring to any role, right? Put yourself out there because nobody, if you are not championing for yourself, no one else will, will, right? right? So I would just, the advice I would give is just to make sure that you're not selling yourself short because if you start doing that, other people will as well. Yeah. Um, And that won't get you anywhere. Not, Not at all. Thinking about your transition from veterinarian to attorney, what would you say to someone who is also at a crossroads and not excited about the field that they're in, but always had a passion, you know, from the moment they saw scandal, they always had a passion, <laughs> had a passion to, to enter the field. And, and especially if it's a person that is a bit more seasoned, is it ever too late? You know, Kim Kardashian is teaching us you don't need law school. <laughs> I don't know. I know it's you easy to make those choices money. when you have millions. <laughs> right. And private tutors. So I, I, I know that's a, a, another topic we could speak on for another half an hour. But. Um, what what is your advice for someone transitioning, e- even if it's not into law? But what what skill or what character trait do you think women should have when they're really pursuing passions or trying to make a pivot? Hmm. Now I know there's prob- there's a lot of considerations when you're making a pivot, right? Financial considerations, your family, different obligations that people have. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're just thinking about it and you're in a space where you can do it, be confident, do it confidently, right? Don't half, can I say half ass? I don't know yeah, who the broadcast is. Okay, know. don't half ass it. Bleep us, but go right ahead here. <laughs> <laughs> like, do it confidently. If you're going to make a decision, make it confidently, walk confidently into that path and, yeah. and plan ahead, please, because it is not. It is not a small financial lift going to Mm -hmm. something like law school um, or any professional school. It is not easy to, unlike Kim Kardashian, not everybody has unlimited funds. So think it through, right? Like school is is expensive. Higher education is expensive. I wish everybody could do it for free, but we can't. So I would just be very mindful of what you're signing up for and keep mm-hmm. that in the back of your mind when you're doing it, because yeah. you want, like I said before, you want to do it right the first time. You want to take it seriously. It's fine to try out different things in in life, right? Like we should all be trying to strive for the job that makes us happy, right? But it's it's easier said than done, and I realize that. I realize that not everyone could just stop working and go to school. Yeah. Um, but when you do make that decision, do it confidently. And trust in yourself that you will fail and at like times. Your parents, like your parents said, take it serious. Take it seriously, <laughs> for sure. And don't yeah. be afraid to fail. Yeah, absolutely. That's so important. Peggy says, yes, don't be afraid to fail. Great advice. And I wish uh, someone had told me that as a graduate. Uh, excellent. So 
we're here to really talk about, in addition to learning about you, why ethics matter in life and for social media. Ethics are a set of moral principles that govern a person's behavior or the uh, conducting of an activity. Can, can I ask you why exactly ethics matter in general and why it matters, especially today in social media? I'm sure you have a lot of opinions about that. And this is by no way legal advice that we're giving. Mm -mm. Um, well, the reason that I, I'm thinking about this is we have a professional code that mm -hmm. we have as attorneys, right? So we have our ethical obligations there. And then there's just general human nature. You should be, you should have a, a moral code right. um, and moral compass. So I can take this, let's take it away from the legal obligations because we have our standard ethics that we have to abide by fine. But generally out in the world, why do ethics matter? I think so that we can just to be good humans, ethics ethics matters. On social media in particular, I'm curious whether you mean how we show up on social media, like on different platforms, like the type of persona one might have on social media versus in real life. Is that kind of where you're getting? I think for me, when I hear, um, when I when I relate ethics to social media is is posting and being in a space with integrity. Mm -hmm. Right. And why and all of the things, you know, they talk about fake news. Does that break ethical thoughts and laws and or, you know, people that are building brands? What we saw in the at the um, onset of the pandemic, all of the glamorous brands that were always at tea. And that's the lifestyle that they portrayed during COVID. They had nothing to post. They didn't even pivot and, and start to post things that were really truly um, their day-to-day -day life in the moment. So is it an ethical thing with people portraying themselves one way uh, versus reality way? Well, I can't speak to what people post on social media and influencers. There will always be folks, and that's influencers that do it for a living, and then there's just regular folks. People portray what they want the world to see. And is it unethical? It depends on what your moral compass is, right? People, there's private folks that only want to show a certain bit about themselves on social media, and that's fine too. I wish that at least, especially for what our young folks are seeing growing up, mm -hmm. I wish there was more truth to what people displayed on social media. But is it unethical? No, it's people's persona. Mm -hmm. Right. Some people are fake in real life as well. And is that unethical? No, that's just who they are. So I wouldn't even go down the path of saying it's ethical or unethical to on how people show up on social media, because that's just how they identify. And mm. some identify with being fake. That is like. Yes. So mind blowing, because <laughs> that is true, because I always think about that in terms of some of the brands that you're seeing and also some of the corporations and some of their stories and how they jump on bandwagons of, um, you know, whatever, especially right now with the diversity and inclusion conversations, when things happen in the media, what are some of the, um, the responsibilities they have to, to be more ethical using social media um, to kind of go behind certain topics. Not sure I understand that question on a broad No, it wasn't scale. a question. It was just like oh. a, a general statement as to like, 
you know, I, how I often think about and, and think about the ethics of corporations and how they're using social media to kind of, I call prey on people's um, morals, right? And to try to act as if they're in alignment with that, but people have to kind of decide for themselves if they feel it's real or if they feel it's just for show, which a lot of cases it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I tell people to use their best judgment, right? Targeted ads is a thing of this day and age yeah. because that's just what, that's a revenue source for big corporations. Right. So some love targeted ads. I personally like targeted ads because it makes shopping much easier. Granted, my bank account might not like targeted ads because I see things I didn't even know that I wanted and then I buy them. <laughs> um, so I would just tell people to use their best judgment because we're living in a world of technology yeah. and corporations are getting better at targeting folks for whatever purposes, usually to sell a product, um, but also outside of just the e-commerce space. In the world of technology, every most things that you do correlate to how you show up on the internet, right? right. Whether it's right. what you click on, what you like, what you share, um, what you shop for. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, be mindful of that. There's plenty of ways to turn off those types of tracking devices, right? right? Every time you're on your phone, it might ask you, would you like to share certain information with such and such app? Like be mindful, pay attention. Yeah. I know there was a time, even today, but further back in time when we would all see policies show up when we set up a cell phone and no one reads through the phone. No one's right? reading, but it's just zoop, we go like, zoop. <laughs> you scroll and hit agree and move on. Yeah. This day and age, it's more important than ever to read what you're signing. Yeah. Um, so I just, I'd be mindful, right? Yeah. Use your best judgment and be aware. Uh, absolutely. Jade says, I found, I have found that for me, having ethics on social media has been uncomfortable. Although it goes against the grain of society and what is often thought about professional women, I find the discomfort in not having others that are willing to be authentic, regardless of what others think. It's a lonely job at times, but I do understand that being bold enough to embrace new thought leadership is how change comes about. Yeah. It is, look, it's always lonely to be the first, right? But folks will follow if you, again, step into whatever role or whatever activity you are doing confidently, people mm -hmm. will follow. Someone has to do it first, right? Yeah. Um, I don't think it necessarily, necessarily means that people are being inauthentic um, when they only show a certain side of themselves on social media, because plenty of folks have a professional side and have right. a regular the code, side. The code <laughs> that we talked about. Exactly. So it, it's not necessarily folks aren't being authentic, but some are just private and some use some people, some individuals, their job is social media or it could be business development or marketing. And they have to show up on, in social media more than someone who, let's say, is in healthcare and doesn't right. necessarily need to advertise on social media or other platforms, right? Those right. types of people will show up very differently on social media, but I don't think one would be more authentic than the other. It just right. depends on where you are in life, what you're trying to promote, how much visibility you need or desire, whether through social media or other platforms. 
I think for me, uh, what, what is being displayed on social media shouldn't be the measure of a person is when you actually do, Jade, get to meet someone in person. And I think social media is supposed to be an avenue to lead you to an ideal network of folks. And when you kind of get offline, that's where the magic happens. And that's where you get to see the true person. And and for me, child, if you saw me on offline, mm, <laughs> I'm a whole bag of fun, right? <laughs> it really is. Um, it really is sometimes exactly what um, Zalika said. It, it's a professional environment, and you know somebody's watching. And especially if you have aspirations to get to certain places and to get to levels and get inside of rooms through social media, you do want to be um, mindful, mindful of how you're yeah. showing up. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and, and that's advice that we give to the new and up and coming emerging leaders in every situation in the workforce is be careful what you're posting. Even nowadays, they're tracking what you're liking. So if you're even liking things that are negative and or not, you know, really in line with, especially with this new cult cancel culture that we're um, hearing about, it, it's important that you really are mindful. Um, she's uh, Jade says, so lonely, right? And I appreciate you sharing that perspective of privacy can be um, authentic. I really do prefer organic in-person engagement. Dabbling on the socials <laughs> be hard. Yes, girl. Okay. Ooh, we know. Yeah. Yes, it is. It is very hard. And you have to kind of learn how to do both. You have to show up because you do need to build a presence online. And so it's not something that you should completely shy away from, but be as authentic as possible and then take the conversation offline. Yes. So I just want to double click on that point because yes. not enough people make it to taking it offline. And that is the traditional way, but it's a way that's not, it's not going away, right? No. Like no. techno, yes, we're in a world of technology, but meeting face to face is still a fundamental part of just personal growth, professional growth, and just mm -hmm. the way of life. So mm -hmm. I, there's plenty of folks that live just in the online world. Um, the metaverse, as, they, as you should say now. <laughs> I'm not going to call it the metaverse um, because it expands even beyond the metaverse, which is a wonderful right. place, but beyond the metaverse, just the internet in general. Yeah. That is not the only place where interactions can and should happen. Yeah. Because I find people are getting very bogged down into this internet world and forgetting what it's like to interact with humans in real life. Yeah. And COVID is part of that, yes. But I encourage people to take a break, right? Step out and still see people face to face, like safely. Yeah, but absolutely. human interaction is fundamental. Yeah, we're, we're, we're dying to get back out there. Uh, I, I did want to ask you, can you share what has been your biggest career lesson you've learned uh, throughout your journey? Hmm. I would say one lesson, and it's top of mind for me because it's happened probably in the, the latter years of my career, um, or the later years, most recently, let's say, um, without giving away my age, um, I would say people believe people when they tell you things about yourself, right? Whether they're negative or positive, believe people. Because if folks see things in you 
that you don't see for yourself, believe that and use that to uplift yourself. Because I've had many opportunities where I think I'm just, I'm doing a good job. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I'm, you know, doing what I'm supposed to do. And that's fine. But then others might come to me and be like, you're, you're excelling and I see potential in you and this is how we're going to take it to the next level. Believe what people see in you because mm -hmm. you, we're our toughest, toughest critics. And yeah. there's been plenty of times that I've been like, maybe I'm not good enough to do that thing. I'm doing what I'm doing well, but I might not be good enough to take it to the next level. And then someone says to me, you absolutely are. In fact, I think you're at that level. Right. Yeah. And that opens doors because mentally you're now thinking about yourself in that next level space, yeah. because otherwise it's very limiting to just stay in your bubble and do one thing well. Like right. keep your mind open to new opportunities. And when someone shows you a path, don't be afraid to get on it, because many times in my career I've pivoted based on what other people have seen in me and me just like going on a leap of faith and believing it. Yeah, having trusted advisors is so key and important. And like you said, you have to listen to to what outsiders are saying. And hopefully it's constructive enough so that you can take what you can and put away the rest that doesn't work for you, but really soak in what they're saying. Uh, you know, it, we went over and I appreciate you. This has been a great conversation that we're having and we could probably talk from for another half an hour. Inside her sweet spot, our members are working women with small businesses and or side passion projects that they're doing in their spare time. What are your passions now and outside of uh, law and how do you spend your downtime? Are you still dabbling in a little bit, being that you want to be a veterinarian, how, how often do you spend time with animals? <laughs> What's your passion? Um, every day because I have a dog, so I'm always oh, with animals. I try to go to the zoo. I try to go and see animals every opportunity I get. Whenever I'm in a different state, I go to this local zoo because that's just my happy place. Awesome. Um, what I do in my downtime, I picked up tennis during quarantine. Um, so that's been my, my fun outside the house activity. Um, and Peloton, that is my everyday activity that gives me peace of mind. It's time for me to turn off my TV, my phone, my computer, shut down work, and I just have an hour to myself that's just me. Mm -hmm. um, so I find I start my day that way every day, and it is done wonders just for mental health and clarity and just feeling good about yourself. Yeah. Um, so that's something I've taken up. And then just cooking. I love to cook. That's the balance, right? I have to, I cook a lot, so I have to do the Peloton a lot. So it balances yeah. itself out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's excellent. What what favorite quotes or affirmations in, in that ritual that you say you have to start your day off? Do you have any quotes or affirmations or even uh, scripture or prayers that you that keep you motivated? Yeah. So I don't generally have like morning affirmations, although that that's a practice that a, plenty of my friends have that I think is great. But I do have a couple of quotes that I just remember reading um, in Michelle Obama's book that stuck with me. Mm -hmm. And you've probably heard, you've heard me say it a couple of times already today, but failure is an important part of growth. Yeah. So don't be afraid to fail. Yes. And make decisions based on what should happen and not what shouldn't. And that's just the idea of people doubting themselves and being right. afraid to take that leap because they doubt themselves. Think about what should happen and don't be afraid to fail. 
don't be afraid to fail. I, I wrote a blog post that says um, how to succeed through failure, I think. And, and that's such an important factor. Uh, before we go, uh, Natasha says, Zalika, what has been the biggest lesson learned in your career today? I think we, we did ask that. And she also says, sending love from a fellow NYLS grad. Yes. Yay. Hey, Natasha. <laughs> uh, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Zalika, I thank you so much for spending time with us here inside the salon. It has been great getting to know you and, and the advice you shared with us today is truly something that uh, many women will we're going to walk away from. Um, this call feeling a little bit more motivated and inspired to really take on new challenges and transition if you have to, right? And break those barriers. And so thank you so much for joining us, guys. You know how I like to end each show. Until next time, when we empower each other, we all rise. Bye-bye for now. Mm -hmm.